Chapter Twelve of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twelve Seeing the Rainbow. A few days on a yacht with a calm sea and sun cool weather may be something like a century of bliss for a pair of lovers if they happen to have taken the lucky hour the conventions of yacht life allow a companionship from dawn till dark if they choose to have it there is a limited amount of outside distraction if the girl be an outdoor lass she looks all the sweeter for the wind rumpling her hair and on shipboard if anywhere mental resourcefulness and good temper achieve their full reward aleck had been more crafty than he knew when he carried melanie and madame Rainier off on the seagull almost at the last moment mr chamberlain had joined them aleck's liking for the man and his instinct of hospitality overcoming his desire for something as near as possible to a solitude adieu with melanie they could not have had a better companion mr chamberlain was nothing less than perfect in his position as companion and guest he enjoyed madame Reynier's grand duchess manners and spared himself no trouble to entertain both madame Reynier and melanie he was a hearty admirer if not a suitor of the younger woman but certain it was that if he ever had entertained personal hopes in regard to her he buried them in the depths of his heart by the end of their first day on the seagull he understood aleck's position with regard to melanie without being told and instantly brought all his loyalty and courtesy into his friend's service madame Reynier had an interest in seeing the smaller towns and cities of america something besides the show-places she said so they made visits ashore here and there though not many as they grew to feel more at home on the yacht the more reluctant they were to spend their time on land why have dust and noise in elbowing people when they might be cutting through the blue waters with the wind fresh in their faces the weather was perfect the thrall of the sea was upon them the roses came into melanie's cheeks and she forgot all about the professional advice which she had been at such pains to procure in new york there was happiness in her eyes when she looked on her lover even though she had repulsed him as for mr chamberlain he breathed the very air of content madame Reynier, with her inscrutable grand manner confessed that she had never before been able precisely to locate boston and now that she had seen it she felt much better even aleck's lean bulk seemed to expand and flourish in the atmosphere of happiness about him his sudden venture was a success beyond a doubt the party had many merry hours many others full of a quiet pleasure none that were heavy or uneasy if aleck's outer man prospered in this unexpected excursion it can only be said that his spiritual self flowered with a new and hitherto unknown beauty it was a late flowering possibly though what are thirty-four years to infinity but there was in it a richness and delicacy which was its own distinction and won its own reward melanie's words spoken in their long interview in the new york home had contained an element of truth there was a poignant sincerity in her saying you do not love me enough which touched aleck to the centre of his being 
he was not niggardly by nature and had he given stintingly of his affection to this woman who was to him the best his whole nature shrank from such a role even while he dimly perceived that he had been guilty of acting it if he had been small in his gift of love it was because he had been the dupe of his theories he had forsworn gallantry toward women and had unwittingly cast aside warmth of affection also but such a condition was after all more apparent than real in his heart aleck knew that he did love melanie enough however much that might be he loved her enough to want not only and not mainly what she could give to him but he wanted the happiness of caring for her cherishing her rewarding her faith with his own she had not seen that and it was his problem to make her see it there was only one way and so in forgetting himself forgetting his wants his comforts his studies and his masculine will herein was the blossoming of aleck's soul melanie instinctively felt the subtle change and knew in her heart that aleck had won the day though she still treated their engagement as an open question aleck would read to her in his simple unaffected manner sometimes with madame reynier and mr chamberlain also for audience sometimes to her alone and since they lived keenly and loved all books spoke to them of their life or their love a line a phrase a thought would ring out of the record and each would be glad that the other had heard that thought some time they would talk it all over they learned to laugh at their own whimsical prejudices and then insisted on them all the harder they learned each from the other some bit of robust optimism some happiness of vision some further reach of thought after they had read they would play at quoits struggling sternly against each other or chamberlain would examine melanie in nautical lore or together in the evening they would trace the constellations in the heavens during their first week they were in the edge of a storm for a night and a day but they put into harbor where they were comfortable and safe and merry as larks through it all so day by day aleck hedged melanie about with his love was she thoughtful he let her take as she would his thoughts the best he could give from his mature experience was she gay he liked that even better and delighted to cap her gaiety with his own queer whimsical drolleries whatever her mood he would not let her get far from him in spirit it was not in her heart to keep him from her but aleck achieved the supermundane feat of making his influence felt most keenly when she was alone she dwelt upon him and her thoughts more intensely than she herself knew and that intenseness was only the reflection of his own thought for her they had been sailing a little more than a week changing the low placid connecticut fields for the rougher northern shores going sometimes farther out to sea but delighting most in the sweet pine-fringed coast of maine there were no more large cities to visit only small villages where fishermen gathered after their week's haul or where slow primitive boat-building was still carried on most of the inhabitants of the coast country appeared to be farmers as well as fishermen even where the soil was least promising 
the aspect of the shores was that of a limited but fairly prosperous agricultural community under the shadow of the hills were staid little homes or fresh-painted smart cottages sometimes a bold rock-bank formed the shore for miles and miles and the hills would vanish for a space here and there were headlands formed by mighty boulders against which the waves endlessly dashed and as endlessly foamed back into the sea such a headland loomed up on their starboard one evening when the sun was low and as the plumes of spray from the incoming waves rose high in the air a rainbow formed itself in the fleeting mist it was a fairy picture repeating itself two or three times no more that's my symbol of hope said aleck quite impersonally to anybody who chose to hear mr chamberlain turned to aleck with his ready courtesy not the only one you have received i hope on this charming voyage madame reynier was ready with her pleasant word aren't we all symbols for you if not of hope then of your success as a host we've lost our aches and our pains our nerves and our troubles all gone overboard from the seagull you're all tremendously good to me i know that said aleck his slow words coming with great sincerity melanie kept silence but she remembered the rainbow the headland was the landward end of a small island one part of which was thickly wooded a large unused house stood in the clearing evidently once a rather pretentious summer residence though now there were many signs of dilapidation the pier on the beach had been almost entirely beaten down by storms and a small flimsy slip had taken its place running far down into the water a thin line of smoke rose from the chimney of one of the outbuildings and while they looked and listened the raucous cry of a peacock came to them over the still water presently chamberlain suggested i feel it in my bones that there'll be lobsters over there to be had for the asking i heard your man say he wanted lobsters van and i believe i'll row over there and see i'm feeling uncommonly fit and need some exercise all right i'll go too said aleck i'll bet a bouquet that i beat you rowing over miss reynier to furnish the bouquet was chamberlain's next proposition do you agree to that my lady and pray where should i get a bouquet oh the next time we'll get on land and we won't put up with any old bouquet of juniper bushes and rocks either we want a good old-fashioned round bouquet of garden posies with mignonette round the edge and a rose in the middle a sure enough token of esteem that kind of thing you know is it a bargain miss rainier very well it is a bargain agreed melanie but i shall choose bachelor's buttons so they took the tender and got off with a great show of exactness as to time and strictness of rules madame reynier was to hold the watch and aleck was to wave a white handkerchief the minute they touched sand mr chamberlain was to give a like signal when they started back the yacht slowed down and held her place as nearly as possible chamberlain pulled a great oar and was in fact far superior to aleck in point of skill but his stroke was not well adapted to the choppy waves inshore he had learned it on the sleepy cam 
where the long gliding blade counts best the men stayed ashore a long time disappearing entirely beyond the clump of trees that screened the outbuildings when they reappeared an old man was with them following them down to the boat then the white handkerchief appeared and the boat started on its return aleck profited by chamberlain's work and made the boat leap forward by a shorter almost jerky stroke he came back easily with five minutes to spare good work said mr chamberlain you have me beaten and you'll get the bachelor's buttons but you had the tide with you nonsense i had the lobsters extra asserted aleck well if you had been born an englishman we'd make an oarsman out of you yet huh said aleck but they had news to tell the ladies and while they were having their dinner their thoughts were turned to another matter the island it appeared had for some years been abandoned by its owner and its only inhabitant was a grey and grisly old man known to the region as the hermit his fancy was to keep a light burning always by night in the landward window of his cabin so as to warn sailors off the dangerous headland there was no lighthouse in the vicinity and by a kindly consent the people on the neighboring islands and on the mainland opposite encouraged his benevolent delusion if delusion it might be called they contrived to send him provisions at least once a week and they had supplied him with a flag which it was understood he would fly in case he was in actual need so along with his cow and his fowls the old hermit spent his days winter and summer tending his lamp when the dark came on aleck and mr chamberlain had picked up some of this information at the last port which the seagull made but what was of new and real interest to them now was the story which the old man told them of a castaway on the island a few days before all hands had abandoned the yacht just before she went down it appears the owner was robbed by his own men and marooned on the hermit's island that's the gist of it said aleck the hermit said the man wouldn't eat off his table went on mr chamberlain but asked him for raw eggs and ate them outdoors said that except when he asked for eggs he never spoke without cursing at least the hermit couldn't understand what he said so he thought it was cursing and while the old man was talking added chamberlain resentfully that blooming peacock squawked like a demon the yacht that went down according to the man was the jeanne d'arc said aleck who had been grave enough between all their light-hearted talk i didn't tell you chamberlain that my cousin my old chum went off quite unexpectedly on a boat called the jeanne d'arc where he went or what for i don't know of course it may have been another jeanne d'arc it probably was but it troubles me melanie was instantly aroused oh i had an uncanny feeling when you first mentioned the jeanne d'arc she cried but could you not find out more what became of the man that was marooned he got off the island a day or two ago said aleck the people that brought provisions to the old man took him to the mainland to charlesport the beggar left without so much as thanking the old man for his eggs added chamberlain we'll put into charlesport to-night if you don't mind said aleck if i can find the man that was marooned i may be able to learn something about jim if he really was on the yacht 
you can all go ashore if you like there's a big summer hotel nearby and it's a lovely country we'll stay wherever it's most convenient for you to have us said melanie looking at aleck for once with more than a friendly interest in her eyes perhaps i can help you van two heads you know said chamberlain aleck troubled as he was could not help being grateful to his friends so the seagull turned suddenly from her holiday mood headed into the harbor of charlesport the village still rang if so stayed a community could be said to ring with reports of the event of the week before dr thayer had been sphinx-like and little simon had been imaginative and voluble and it would have been difficult to say which had teased the popular curiosity the more aleck found a tale ready for his ears about the launch and its three passengers with many conflicting details some said that a great singer had been wrecked off ram's head others that it was the captain and mate of the jeanne d'arc others that it was a daughter of old parson thayer's sweetheart and two sailors that came ashore little or nothing was known about the island castaway aleck followed the only clue he could find thinking to get at least some inkling of the truth End of chapter twelve